Hello and welcome back to AFL by Dummies, the only show that's worse than St Kilda on Good Friday. And that's saying something. Oh, why, why are we doing this show if it's that bad? Because I don't know about you, Alex, but that was not pleasurable. That game was like the worst thing that could have ever happened on that day. Aside from someone dying. <laughs> Aside from <laughs> people dying from cancer? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> on, a, on a day that's literally about the fact that like people die of like diseases and we should try and help them. Yeah, that's yeah, how bad the, it was. The worst, the worst thing that could ever happen on this day is the fact that St Kilda put in a bad performance. A football team that has no real moral effect on the world. I mean, it had a moral effect on everyone in that ground. Like, I, I honestly don't know why people stayed the whole game. At halftime, I understand that both teams were still in the game. It was two goals, ten each. But, like, leave. I could have gone to, like, Auskick and seen, you know, more talent there. Don't get me wrong, it was a terrible game and St Kilda played awfully in it. But the game wasn't about that. Like, you're not going to the game because, man, I really want to see North Melbourne win or St Kilda win. You're going to the game because, hey, it's a good Friday, let's do something nice. Using that, I'm going to talk about my highlight of the week, a new thing we're going to add to the show. And that is, um, despite the fact that my team was utterly appalling and got belted by a side that I suspect will probably finish in the bottom four, how nice is it to watch Ben Brown play? I really enjoy him. Ben Brown is just, he's such a good kick of the footy as well. When he marks it, other forwards, you're like a bit nervous. And even if it goes through the goals, it kind of helicopters their way in. Whereas like, he, he kicks bullets. It just goes in a straight line. Great to watch. Good mark overhead. Yeah, I really rate him as well. I he's, know you do. Yeah, he's one of the cleanest players in the league, I'd say. Except especially his haircut. Forwards, <laughs> which is mangly as all hell. Um, I used last week in my example of um, who should definitely not go on The Bachelor uh, being Cameron Ling. But had I needed a substitute, he definitely would have been my go-to. Yeah. If he cool. wasn't an amazing footballer, I don't think he'd have much to really argue about with the ladies. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> but he's a fantastic footballer, so I don't really care. <laughs> so, sorry, you've just, like, decided that someone's personality isn't, like, good enough. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't, no, this isn't about, like, their personality. I'm talking about purely athletic ability or looks. If we're going to go, gonna go through those two... Like, for instance, I am seriously lacking in both of those departments. <laughs> At least Ben Brown has one of them, so good for him. Okay, well... Uh, my highlight has to be you and I both went to the Easter Monday game, which is one of the best games of footy I've ever been to. Like, aside from the two Richmond finals wins I went to last year. As somebody that saw both of those games and went to one of them with you, uh, th- this was a much better game than either of those. The great thing about this game is late in the fourth quarter, or the whole fourth quarter, you think, okay, you know, Geelong's defence that needs to be really organised now, and now's not the time to concede a goal. They'll be down five goals if they do. And you let Zach Guthrie who I wish I had his height in front of me, but he's not the biggest fella ever, on Jared Ruffhead. Jared Ruffhead is one of the best forwards in the game over the last 10 years. Is enormous, and Zach Guthrie on him. Three out of three times, Jared Ruffhead won. We picked it after about the first time, and we were just laughing every time. And when Jordan... Oh, I keep saying Jordan Ruffhead. When Jared Ruffhead kicked that winning behind, oh, well, I just laughed for about a couple of minutes. It was just perfect. Zach Guthrie is 187 centimetres. That'll make him about 6'1". Not tall enough to play key defence. Not tall enough to play on Jared Ruffhead. Nope. So uh, that was one of my highlights. But aside from what an awesome game it was to go to. Believe it or not, I might actually be talking about that later. So we'll definitely get to that in our penalty shootout, which we're now going to begin now. This is our style of format, for, which is completely different than any other show, I would like to think. It, it just makes not, no sense for a footy show to have a soccer Reference. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a terrible idea. But in this, we take jokes and pieces of analysis, uh, jokes we use very liberally, and compare them against each other, and then we decide at the end whose jokes and analysis were better, and we decide a winner for the week. So we're going to start this week with my joke, and then move on to your piece of analysis. Are you very excited about this? Yes, I am. So my opening joke is one that I'm sure you're very much going to enjoy. We are going to play a game of They're Not Actually a Celebrity Heads. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> I, I love the name change on it, because let's be honest, yeah. they're not really celebrities. So the point of this is to pick an AFL player. We both have pretty in-depth knowledge of most of the AFL players, I would like to think. Uh, pick an AFL player that if you showed them up in a press conference not wearing any of their um, kit. uniform kit, um, that almost all of the public would have no idea who they are. Right, So this is the person that isn't actually a celebrity, and I bet that if you and I walked past him in the street, neither of us would recognise him, 
But because of our crazy in-depth knowledge of AFL and Supercoach and everything, we both know way too much about this person. Yeah. We yeah. know how they play, you yeah. know what they do. Number, everything. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell them their height, um, the, the approximate number of games they've played. Like, it's this is a ridiculous amount of information for somebody that we would not be able to recognise. So, I've got one for you. You've got one for me. Are you ready? I'm, ha- I'm ready to ask my first question. Yeah, go ahead. Do I play for a Melbourne-based side? No, you don't. Ooh, okay, your turn. Well, I'm going to ask the same question. Do I play for a Melbourne-based side? No, you don't. Oh. Oh, how funny it would be if we picked the same player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have not, like, cross-checked this, obviously. This would be a... a how many players do you reckon are in the league? Oh, Jesus. Well, 18 clubs. Tw- we'll go with, like, 22. That's, that's what, 416? Yeah, that's, this is not going to end well. <laughs> um, do I play on the Eastern Seabird? No. Okay. Do I play in a state that has the name Australia in it? Yes. <laughs> so that's South Australia or Western Australia. Let's just clarify. Yes. In my state, do I play for the club which has rowdier fans? <laughs> I mean, that's that's so subjective. That's such oh, a. Oh come on, the West Coast fans and the Port fans. Okay, so yeah, give me give me the equivalents. Which ones are which? So the West Coast fans are the rowdier ones, and the Port fans are the rowdier ones. In each of the states, yes. Yes. So I play for one of West Coast or Port Adelaide. Yes. I just wanted to like make the you question. You establish this very quickly. <laughs> um, do I play for Port Adelaide? No. Okay. Do I play in Perth? No. Okay, so I'm in Adelaide. Uh, maybe. <laughs> You're actually uh, the New Zealand breakers. Uh, wait, are we, are, we, are we also agreeing that Geelong is a Melbourne side? Yeah. Okay, good. Because it's not actually in Melbourne, but technically that it's a Melbourne side. That would have been a side. great one. <laughs> yeah, that would have been... Uh, so- <laughs> North Melbourne's a Tasmanian team all of a sudden. <laughs> that would have been such a great one to slip under the radar. <laughs> so I play for West Coast. Yeah. Am I a well-known player? Obviously well, that, not. I mean, that was a dumb question to ask because yeah, we're well, literally doing. They're not celebrities. I, I feel like you've. I feel like you've misunderstood the point of this game. <laughs> oh well, I'm gonna have to take the no on that. It, no, no, they're not a well-known <laughs> player. Um, do I play for Port Adelaide? No. Oh, so I'm at Adelaide. Okay. Oh, this is tough. Right. What do you got? Did I play last weekend? Yes. Have I played both games this year? Um, I, I believe so. Yes. I don't know how many changes they Am made. Am I in my first three years? I believe so. Yes. Wait. Do you mean? Do you mean like in playing time or in drafting time? Oh, draft time's easier to see. That's gonna be cutting it close. <laughs> I'm not actually sure. I will give you the benefit of the doubt and say yes, but it's a solid maybe. So I, but I'm relatively new to the team. You are relatively new to the team. Yes. Do I play in defence? Yes. Am I uh, tall in defence? Yes. Well, McGovern's too well. Am I Barras? Yes. Yes. Why, okay. did you, why did you pick Brass? I literally picked him up in my draft side this week. He's I was, like, I was on hoping my mind. that would be funny if you really struggled <laughs> to get him, and the fact that you picked him up this week. But literally this morning, actually, <laughs> you got him very quickly. Um, can you tell me what does Tom Brass look like? Tom Brass. Yeah. Oh no, this is not going to work. So he's in your he's in your side. I mean, what else can you tell me about? Oh, this him? is why you picked him, isn't it? Um. Okay. Tell me what, a, what do you know about Tom Brass? Tell me. He's a brunette. Yep. Um, he's he has, played 34 games, by the way. He was drafted a, in 2013. He has longer than average hair. No, but sure. I, no, I'm pretty sure he does. No, he has short hair. He has short hair? Well, at least in his photo he does. That's what I'm going off. Fair enough. Uh, what else? Well, you can never guess the eyes. The eyes are just like, <laughs> let's go with brown eyes. <laughs> I, um, I can't even he, tell. He has a moustache, doesn't he? I don't know. I feel like we're done at this point. Yeah, well, oh, I well done. I thought that was the idea of it. Well, <laughs> Come on, I I mean... Do you want to get your player then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant isn't we're done with yours. Well done. You got Tom Barras. Um, you got that very quickly as well. Um, so I play for Adelaide, right? Um, am I a forward? No. This is not going to go well. Am I a defender? Yes. Um, am I a medium-sized defender? Yes. Am I Kyle Hardigan? No. Oh. Um, have I played more than 50 games? Um, I have it here, yes. Am I Kyle Cheney? Yes. Yes! <laughs> You say Kyle, I'm like, how did he get it so hard again? Ah, phew. <laughs> because I was trying to think of like what kind of players at Adelaide are like laughably funny. Because we, we, we played this game quite interestingly off air and I gave you Zach Dawson. And kind of the point being like, you know, you want to give someone that's famous in like a their dumb kind of way. Kyle Chaney is like the next best after Zach Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> He's the next worst player in the AFL that seems to regularly play games. 77 games. He's played 77 games. He's a dud. Like, Draft. He was pick number 53. Yeah. How many years did he play for Hawthorne? Uh, I don't know, but he was in the 2007 draft. I reckon he played seven odd years at Hawthorne. He's been playing at Adelaide for the last few. But anyway, that is my game of... What was the title? I've already forgotten. (laughs) They're not actually a celebrity. Heads. 
It's your game. It's almost yeah, I know. like I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm not expecting the point for that one, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. No. Are you ready for your first piece of analysis? We're gonna do sort of like a guess who I am, but it's not like like I will tune this out into like a proper big segment in a few weeks. But okay. something popped out at me this week, and nothing just nothing adds up. So I've literally just gone through the major statistics, um, like all the big ones that you think of, and like I literally have only left like one or two statistics out that are middle of the road. So this team's either very high on the road or very, very low on the road, and it doesn't really add up. And I want you to guess what side it is. Okay. So they're fourth in disposals in the league. That's, that's impressive. You'd think that's one of the better sides in the competition. They're third in disposal efficiency. So not only do they use the ball a lot, but they use it efficiently. You know what? I can tell you it's not St Kilda, because I watched them on the weekend, and disposal <laughs> efficiency was not their thing. They were first in marks, so they're taking a lot of marks. Now, this is where it gets ridiculously dumb. So they've had many disposals, many effective disposals, right? They are 17th in inside 50s. How are you so good at disposals and disposal efficiency? What do you just... Oh, they kick it backwards. That's what they do. They they just go nowhere. This is the team that's built for kicking it sideways. Is it Carlton of last year? No, but do you know what's a weird thing? This team's also first in handballs. This is a team that completely overuses the ball. Yeah, anyway. Well, that, so, that explains why the disposal efficiency is so good. Do you have the difference between their kicking and handball efficiency? Because I can tell you, St. Kilda's handball efficiency is considerably better than their kicking efficiency. <laughs> I wish I did that. The AFL site did not give me that. So they're 17th in inside 50s, and they're 16th for efficiency inside 50s. So not only do they never get it in there, but they don't even score when it gets there. Okay, so I can rule out the Bulldogs because they um, their efficiency inside 50s is actually appalling. They actually get quite a few inside 50s, and then they just can't do anything. Yeah, uh, 16th for tackles inside 50. So not only do they rarely get it in, but they never tackle as well. So this is like not Richmond then. I'm fairly yeah. confident in that. <laughs> and this team is 18th in clearances. Oh, Jesus. And do you know what's the great thing? They average 27 and a half a game. Yeah. And the next best is 31. Ouch. And they're seventeenth in contested possessions, which adds up. So this team has the most disposals. However, they are just about last in disposals around the contest. So they just overuse the ball everywhere, but they can't get it inside fifty because St Kilda is shit, Alex. (laughs) I think you knew that was St Kilda. Yeah. I just don't understand your game plan. Okay, this isn't the game plan because I don't think this is how it's supposed to operate. But here's basically what's happening for that statistics to happen, right? They have a shit Ruckman, so they lose the hitouts almost every time, right? Billy Longer has had a terrible start to the season, right? The opposition midfield, we've been playing against the likes of, you know, Zorko, Beams, good players, and then in week two, um, played North Melbourne, where, you know, there's such gun players as Luke McDonald. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem, by God, the way. we've played two shit midfields as well. How embarrassing is that? 18th in clearances. <laughs> we played we played arguably the two worst midfields in the comp, but we're 18th in clearances. <laughs> <laughs> so we then lose the clearance they kick it long inside 50 with with very little efficiency where we then win the ball and then proceed to handball it 50 times all the way back up to the half forward line before we eventually decide to kick the ball well, not even the half forward line about the wing when we then try and kick the ball to about the half forward line and because none of us can actually kick the ball it then goes 30 meters sideways that's a rough idea of what's happening. And then, of course, the same thing happens over and over again. The other team goes to the other end, kicks a goal, and we restart. <laughs> I just don't understand. Because, like, a few years ago, like, you guys stood for toughness. Like, you weren't, you knew you weren't the most skilled team in the competition. You were never going to be that, and you gave that out. But what you did is you worked for your teammates. You worked really hard, and you were willing to put your body on the line. 18th in clearances doesn't say that. No. 16th in tackles inside 50 does not say that. You you guys just don't work for each other anymore. It's I feel sorry for you because, like, there's a lot of teams that are playing bad at the moment that, you know, you can see, like, Essendon just had a bad week, right? They lost to Fremantle, but they'd beaten Adelaide the week before, and it's not the end of the year for them. Whereas you guys have played two easy teams. You've come out one and one, but it, it, you should be zero and two. And I just don't know where you guys are going anymore. You've fallen off the tracks. Maybe. (laughs) Um, Here's the thing. I don't disagree with much of what you're saying, but I will give them the benefit of the doubt that I don't I don't look at them and see a basket case in the same way I look at them and see a basket case in the Western Bulldogs. And, yes. and therefore, I don't. I, th- I still think it's too early to, to ride off the season. If in five weeks this is still where we're at, then fair enough. Well, do you want to know your next couple of weeks? I, I, know, I know the fixture. And, but my, my point, for instance, if given that the fixture we have, so we're playing Adelaide this week, if we beat Adelaide this week, right, which is, you know, very unlikely, but let's say we were to beat Adelaide this week, then suddenly after three games, we're 2-1 and one with Adelaide... and. Uh, 
as a, as a scalp on our belts. Like nobody's going to be saying, "Wow, St Kilda's not going to be a, a decent side this season." They'll be going, "Jesus, St Kilda can make finals if not better." Here's the thing: I think much of your analysis is fair. But I think they're a side that is too early on as opposed to a side like the Western Bulldogs where I look at them and go, you are completely fucked. Okay. I think you guys are going to be 2-10 and 10 at round 12. I would very much not be surprised if that was the case. That's saying you beat Collingwood. I would be very much surprised if that nice, was the case. <laughs> you have a nice run home, though. so We do. It all balances out. But St Kilda, you've been warned. We're on watch. Yeah, you're on watch. I think we're a classic TBD. We'll see what happens from here. You've got your own first joke for the day. Okay, so I am going to have a go at something I don't normally have a go at, which is the AFL. Oh, yeah, you've never done that at all on the show. <laughs> no, the AFL does a great job with the AFL site and um, the AFL app. Like, I'm very happy with it most of the time. You know, th- there's always good content. I get a lot of my statistics off it. So, like, good job to them. Never re- really have a problem with it. Most of the time, the AFL realises, you know, it's got to be, you know, a bit more on the family-friendly side. 99% of the time. I'm really interested to see where this is going. <laughs> so I was going to do my... Re- well, actually, I was looking up the one percenters for uh, Dougal Howard this week. So I was going to the Sydney Port game, right? And um, they have, like, the... You open up, like, the report thing and there's, like, the video at the top of, like, the highlights of the match. And uh, one of the quote... And it always has, like, a headline quote from the coach. And the headline quote from the coach this week was from uh, Ken Hinckley, obviously. And he said, we got a bit dirty. Now, the photo on the video... <laughs> It was n- he was so close to winking on it. Like, it's like the sort of grin where it's like, I'll see you later sort of thing. And I'm like, that is not, no. The headline is, we got a bit dirty, and you put that photo up. You could have put any photo of, like, Ollie Wines putting his body on the line, which would have done it more. But no, you have to show a pretty weird-looking photo of Ken Hinckley smiling. And it's not like the average smile. It's a weird-looking smile, no, like, no, I'll see you later in no, the night. No, it's will be, I'll, I'll be seeing you in my room later. Yeah. Oh, it's not quite that bad. But it's like, look, no. AFL, you missed that time. Now you're on watch as well. I'm not very impressed with that. So most of your segments this week are going to be putting different people on watch? <laughs> yeah. So far we've got St Kilda and now the entire AFL. The next thing is going to be Tissot, the sponsors. <laughs> I'm going to be putting them on watch. Oh, oh. Did you plan that in advance? No. Or was that, oh. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if that entire build-up was just for that joke, I would have probably fired you there. Um, and we would have been looking for a new co-host, which would have been a fun segment in itself. Anyway, that's <laughs> uh, time for my first analysis for the week. And I'm going to be talking about key forwards because I know it's something that's been talked about in the media across the board this week. But I know about you. I am very excited to see the return of key forwards in AFL football. For a few years now, they have been second string in terms of forward line parity. Small forwards have done the damage, whether it be through the goals themselves or in pressure, as well as midfielders that have kicked a lot of goals. But we are back to the reign of big forwards. Let let me talk you through some of the performances we've seen by forwards this season. Buddy Franklin has kicked bags of eight and four in his first two games. Very excited about that. From then on, there are... 11 other goal kickers, key forwards, who have kicked four more goals this season. This is aside from the small forwards. In one match? Yes, in one match. Yeah. Um, this is aside from the small forwards who have a, a bunch of goals themselves. And I'm not even including Daniel Menzel in this, who is arguably a tall forward anyway. He plays that role. But just going through some of the names, and this is what I was very excited about. Lynch has kicked a bag of eight. Jeremy Cameron, six. Ben Brown, six. Charlie Kernow, five. Jesse Hogan, five. Josh Jenkins, five. Taylor Walker, four. Todd Marshall, four, was not a name I was expecting to say at the start no, of the season. No, no. <laughs> oh, wow. um, speaking of names I wasn't expecting to say at the start of the season, Matt Taverner had kicked four in a game, <laughs> as has Jack Darling. So I don't know about you, I very much liking this game style where it's isolate your big man one-on-one in the 50 and let everybody else do their work. Yeah, for many years, a lot of defences, they do like two-on-ones, they have a man fly across. But you're right, a lot of um, defense, uh, forward lines are setting up, so that's becoming harder and harder. Um, but it is the start of the season, and generally what we see is as the season goes on, defence gets better and better and better as the coaches like drill the players more into it and you know learn from the mistakes. But yes, I, I do like the fact that uh, big guys are kicking lots of goals as well. Good for them. Shame that Richmond doesn't have a big man. <laughs> yeah, Jack hasn't had a particularly good start to the season. No. And he's not the tallest of the tallest anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just something that I, I've enjoyed seeing in the game. I, Buddy on his day is just about my favourite thing in the NFL. I don't know about you, but if I was to go through maybe Cyril, I mean, with those two, I'd argue, are just about my favourite things to watch. Um, and, and when Buddy's going, 
it's great. But buddy kicking 10 goals in a game, including four in the last quarter to win a game, is just, uh, there's not much better than that for me. I was surprised by the amount of um, non-mobile forwards in that list. Um, that's good to see because that's the big thing that's been dying in the game. It's just like your non-mobile forwards, like your Jack Darlings, your Josh Jenkins are getting less and less effective because they're just not particularly mobile once the ball gets to ground. Yeah, so that's interesting is I think um, we talk about a bunch of them. So Franklin, for instance, um, Ben Brown, Charlie Kerno, a lot of these are kind of going to be the kind of guys that are kicking them from 45-50-ish, a lot of their goals. Um, yeah. and, and Tom Lynch as well kicks a lot of goals from the ground. Um, so these that's exactly what you're talking about. But you're right, that was one thing I was very pleasantly surprised to see. We saw that in the Adelaide-Richmond game on Thursday night. It was Josh Jenkins isolating him one-on-one with Alex Rance, and that was what did all the damage. First of all, it got Josh Jenkins into the game. Second of all, took Alex Rance out of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see that, especially as a way to curtail the really attacking key defenders from the opposition. Who was it? Uh, Geelong did it to Jake Lever in round one in a way I thought that was really effective as well. So yeah, I'm very excited. I like seeing this brand of footy run, gun, then give it a one out. And I love watching them wrestle. You get a key forward putting against someone that they can just wrestle with and see if they control it. That's great. Travis Cloak in his day was, don't get me wrong, Travis Cloak was a terrible player for the second half of his career. Travis Cloak in his day when he was one of the absolute best players in the forward line, watching him wrestle with someone, then push him to the side and mark the ball, even though he was a Collingwood player, was just a delightful sight. I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, it'll be interesting if Geelong does it against West Coast this weekend um, with Barras and McGovern playing so well at the moment. But good piece of analysis from you there, Alex. I always like it when a big forward's doing well. I'm a bit more interested in like small forwards and the fast pace of the game. You're Jeff Garlitz, who was also big on the weekend, but there's nothing wrong with like a big guy clunking one. I think clunking is just a it's, great word. It's the appropriate term. Um, thank you very much. It's time for my second joke of the day, and I hope you enjoy this one a bit more. This one is in reference to the GWS Collingwood game. Now, did you see much of this game? No, I didn't. Okay, so Tim Broomhead clatters into the goalpost and just completely destroys his leg, I think is the most appropriate term. He will be out for so long, it's ridiculous. Um, and approximately two minutes after that, Tom Scully gets caught in a tackle and his foot gets caught underneath him and he's gone too. So between them, I mean, Broomhead's looking at a year, maybe more, who knows. Scully's going to be at least three months, maybe longer, we'll see. It's two really horrible injuries. And not only that, the kind of injuries that when you look at them back on camera, just look incredibly painful. Like when you watch Tim Broomhead's leg just go, you're just like, oh, no, that would have hurt. Alex, can I just butt in for a second? Yeah. I failed to see how this is a joke so far. <laughs> we will get to that. So it made me think, right, what are things that would hurt less than those injuries? Because there's got to be some things out there, right? Oh, no. <laughs> Here are some things that would hurt less than those injuries because they're incredibly painful. Right. <clears throat> Stepping on Lego in the middle of the night. Now, this is seen as a just one of the most painful things that you can do in society, but I still think it hurts less than those injuries. They were, they were absolutely worse. Yes. My number two, reruns of the 2010 Grand Final. <laughs> now, this is, this is one of the most rough experiences known to man. <laughs> oh my Every God. year when they play replays of the Grand Final, eventually somebody decides to show the last two minutes of the 2010 Grand Final of the draw. And every year I cry. But <laughs> Every year you want the ball to bounce the other way. Every year. And believe it or not, it never does. <laughs> Uh, things that are more painful uh, so things that hurt less than those injuries watching people getting hit in the crotch compilations just every time you see somebody get hit in the crotch you just go oh oh." in the end those still hurt less than those injuries and this final one's actually a personal one and it's going to be a specific shout out to uh, somebody I know things that hurt less than those injuries when Karen left me Karen if you're out there come back to me sweetheart (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say I still love you I need you <laughs> anyway, that's my segment. <laughs> what a weird note to end it on. Well, I'm glad you're making yourself vulnerable on the show. Um, that segment really cut to the heart of me. Paper cut to the heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the weirdest list I think we've ever had. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, but it's such a bad premise for a list. I know. It's about getting, like, I don't know, like the Scully one looked bad and it looked quite painful. The Broomhead one looked genuinely shocking. Yeah. Both of them just look like, that's my point, is that all of these things would be things that would be regarded as incredibly painful things, and yet none of them are as bad as what Scully and Broomhead experienced on the weekend. I think you should have ended on the uh, Lego brick. No. Karen, if you're out there, (laughs) contact me. My number is... (laughs) Insert number here. Um, But no, it's it's time for a piece of analysis from you. What you got? 
Oh. Now, uh, to any Carlton fans out there, yep. feel free to turn it off now. Before you get started, can I personally just enjoy the fact that for about five minutes, every Carlton fan in the world went, yay, Carlton's not going to be that bad this season after they put in an okay performance against Richmond. And now that they got like quite seriously beaten by Gold Coast, all of them are going, oh no, we suck again. Yeah. And I enjoy that very much. I'm glad you do. So Alex, on a rough timeline, how long do you think a rebuild takes? Maybe seven or eight years to like a complete rebuild by the time you yeah, cut the I, old players. Yeah, but like a rebuild. Well, I've put it down as five years because I think five years after you start drafting a whole bunch okay, of players, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you start getting competitive for finals. You're not necessarily a premiership. Okay, I meant premiership contention within like seven or eight years, but you should be playing finals within five. Yeah. If, if you are, you know, having a good so rebuild. I said five years for the rebuild and then in the sixth year you should start pushing for finals. Fair enough. So we've got the current. Carlton lot. I'm not even going to call them a team, just a lot. So I, I decided to go back to the 2012 team and have a look at their list and have a look at all the people that are still playing now. Now, I know much has been said of like the fact that so many people have left and been better everywhere, but I'm going to make point of the fact that of all the players that are still playing now, because yep. if they were still in the Carlton team, right? and they're still playing now, they're the perfect group of players to, you know, have as your experienced ones when you're pushing for finals. You yeah. still have all your young guns that you draft. There's two halves to essentially rebuilding. It's keeping all your players that at the time are like 23, 24, so that they're like 30 by the time, and they're like your leadership group, your experienced players, and then there's obviously drafting all the young guns that you want to get. Yep. So I'm looking at the first half of that, which so is maintaining all the players that you should maintain. These should be the mature age players that are probably in their mid to late 20s right now, um, maybe even late 20s. Yeah, who late are, 20s. Late 20s who are going to be, you know, the senior leadership group when it comes to these young guns as they really take on finals. Yeah. So the best people that are in that 2012 lineup that are still playing now. Yep. So, well, we'll start with Grig. Grig's still playing good football now. Yes, he w- admittedly at Richmond, but... <laughs> yeah, no, but the idea is all these guys aren't at Carlton anymore. Oh, okay, right. So you've got Grig. Yeah. Uh, you've got Mitch Robinson. I rate Mitch Robinson. Same. I think he's... He a- was actually delisted. He wasn't even traded. He was delisted. He's a hard nut. He's yeah. exactly what a young team would want. Yeah. Lockie Henderson. Isaac Gunn. Gunn, still playing at Geelong. Yep. Eddie Betts. He's a gun. I yep. feel like that's what I'm going to be saying to most of these. Uh, Jeff Garlett. Yeah, he's a gun. He was on the list 2012. Sam Jacobs was on the list in 2012. Really? Man, that late? I thought he went earlier than that. He's a, he's a, he's a jet. He I, was All-Australian last season, wasn't he? Uh, was he the All-Australian Ruckman? I thought it was Ryder. Ryder, uh, uh, either Ryder way, was Either the, way, he was in close contention. One uh, of the best Ruckman all year. Jared Waite, who's been ravaged by injuries and it's not as obvious a pick. But like... Anytime he's not injured, he's a gun. Yeah. Well, if they're going to play Weedering up forward, because why not? Then Jared they might as well White. Be playing, yeah. yeah. Gibbs? Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. He could arguably be the worst of the lot of them. And, like, that's the whole list. But, like, there's no Zach Tui there because they drafted him at the end of that season and then they got rid of him. So that's not a list including Zach Tui. It's not including uh, JJK, who they traded for uh, Judd, obviously. Like, there's a whole bunch of other people, but I wanted to specifically say, because that could be their top end at the moment, Carlton. Instead, this is their top end that played last weekend. Yeah, so now, the players this is from team, 2012. This is just the best players now. Oh, okay, right. So these are the players that don't have all those players that they should have on oh, top okay, of it. Right. So this is how bad the team is. So you've got Crips. Now, yep. this is a team that missed Cruiser and Doherty on the weekend. But yep. I'm not including them because they didn't play. Uh, <laughs> Crips, and then it goes down to, I had a look, the next two best players were both the Kernows. I Okay, here's an interesting one. It is like an underrated player. Yeah. He's, a, he's not a fantastic player or anything, but he's a decent player. If he was like option eight, <laughs> yeah. of like, he's, like, he's like your Jason Blake. You don't want him to be your absolute superstar, but if he's one of the ones just making up the ranks, he's a good one to have. Yeah. I have him at about the second best player on that list at the moment. That's a problem. And then couldn't decide from there. I went with Aaron Mullet as the next best player after those guys. No, seriously? I, I do not rate him. I rate him enough. I think he's a good enough winger. I don't know, dude. You have a look at that team. I had about I had Petrovsky, Seedon as the next best player, and then the rest of the list is it wasn't a good side they played on the weekend. But imagine if those players that I just suggested, Cripps is an out and out star. Yeah. But imagine if those players were complemented by the players in the list from the 2012 who were still playing. Then suddenly they're the tenth best player on the list, and this side's challenging for finals. Surely there are some better players like Marchbank. 
Uh, Marchbank, yeah, he should have been on the list. That was about the other one that I was considering. Jeez, they really don't have any good players, do they? Don't. Oh, put... I'm Matthew Wright, all right? Uh, he's too on and off, dude. I, he, I don't... he kicks goals. Yeah, Any... I know you don't rate him, but he's a good player. Anyway, so obviously that half of their um, rebuilding process went terribly. Yep. But it gets worse, because what about the other half? What about the draft picks? Oh, God. Oh, God. I yeah. had a look at this. So I'm just going to tell you the draft picks they've still got. So okay. at the end of 2012, they drafted Casbolt, the only one they've still got that's played a significant amount of games. He's Best played 90 games. Excellent they, pick. Uh, they got Tui as well, but he's gone now, obviously. Sh- terrible player. I'm glad they traded him. 2013 was a better one for them, but keep in mind they've still only got two players from it. Yep. Which is uh, Cripps, who's played 61 games. Ed Kernow. Good one as in, well. In genuine fairness, Cripps is one of the best players in the competition and Kernow's solid. Yeah, they also got Holman in that draft who's now playing solid footy for Gold Coast. Yeah, he's been good the last few weeks. And importantly, he's a hard nut. Yeah. And that'd be handy at Gold Coast right now. Yeah. 2014, Bokehurst is about the best player I could find from that draft. Ouch. And he's not there anymore. When was Sam Doherty drafted? It didn't come up. Hmm. I don't know. I reckon it would have been around about that time. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Anyway, keep going. He's not an important player. No, 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 definitely not. I think it was 2014, so yeah, well, we'll, we'll put Doherty there. But still, one player from a draft that's all right isn't going to work in a rebuild. Yep. Uh, and then 2015, Charlie Kernow, and then it's Wiedering and Silvani who have both been duds. I, I really don't rate Silvani. Am I the only one? No. I, I, I just think re- he's amongst one of the average kids. Yep. So you look at that, and that's their, like, that is their drafting for a four- or five-year period right there, and it's just not good enough for a rebuild. But it's a trend. Here's a fun fact. Out of everyone they recruited between 2008 and 2011, right, they took 18 people in that time. Not one of them remains. When was so, Mark Murphy drafted? Seven? Seven. Must have been. Yeah. He'd be the only one that was rough. Him and Cruiser would be the only one from even close to that period. And Simpson. And Simpson was before them, wasn't he? Simpson's older. He's like yeah. 34 or something, Kate Simpson. Yeah. But, like, this team finished fifth in 2010 and then in 11 they dropped off. So you think they'd start rebuilding after that, and they didn't. But then whilst they were still going all right, 18 draft picks and they've got none of them now. Those, those sort of players in between 2008 and 2011 would be the sort of players that are 10 years into their career at the moment. They're like 28, 29 with the other group of people that they already got rid of. I mean, this could be an all right team. They've just done so many things wrong, Carlton, and I don't know. Unless you start drafting well from here, they're they're going to be at the bottom for a very long time. Don't get me wrong, they've got a young side, but I don't think they've got a talented young side. There's a difference between the two. I think your criticism is off the players, and I don't think that's fair. I think the criticism should be off the development. Um, and I understand your criticism is of the club in general, but I think as it happens in a lot of these things, it's always the assumption is, well, if the club cho- chose to draft Nat Fife instead of, you know, Bontempelli or something, then or whatever, over a terrible player, then they made the mistake. But I think all of these players generally have the same potential and it's the ability of the club to get it out of them. Fair enough. In that case, Carlton has to do something different because this is over a 10-year <coughs> period now. What, 28? 2008? This is 10 years later. Yeah. They should be pushing to be an all right side now, and it's just not happening. It's either the players, it's the people going out um, and scouters, or it's the development people, but something's not right. I would lean towards the development people, but that is a searing indictment of where Carlton is at right now. Um, hopefully, this new generation will be the one that finally clicks. Yeah, we'll see. their draft picks in the last two years look all right, um, so maybe they'll be better. I don't know why Sam Doherty did not come up in my research. That is... An interesting one. But um, even... I think it's because he's uh, Irish, so it might have been a specific rookie selection. It had the rookie drafts as well, so don't I don't know. know. Either way, I mean, it doesn't make it any better that they've got one superstar. You should have a few more better players than yeah, there's what no drafted. Depth. That side on the weekend is one of the worst AFL sides I've seen, and I can't believe I tipped them. I had them finishing bottom of the ladder for a reason. It's because they have almost completely kids. Their side is just exclusively kids. Yep. Let's, let's cheer it up right now with a joke from you. I didn't think this through because, like, <laughs> I've done such a miserable sort of thing, and now I've got to, now I've got to get happy. Yeah. Now feel free. So this is a list, but this is the sort of list where you can contribute ideas, and that's not the hardest one to ever contribute ideas to. So, I don't know if you were watching the Freo Essendon game last weekend. Bits and pieces. At the end of the game, there was one of the worst light shows I've ever seen in my life. I understand why they thought it'd be a cool idea, but 
like, I don't know if you saw, but the light show was kind of just like patches of light and not light. It wasn't even that cool to look at, I, I thought. I think it would have been cool if you were in the ground. Well, I mean, having a look at the ground from an aerial view, it looked bad. Like, on the actual stadium, the lights looked all right. But I just thought it was poorly executed. So I've come up with a list for awesome ideas for post-match entertainment that we can also execute poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If if the result of these are people dying, then we haven't done our job right. Anyways. (laughs) I've already thought of some options that involve people dying if you haven't got some. Uh, Don't worry. Okay. This first one. Yeah. So uh, people love, like, seeing animals. It's why zoos exist, right? Yeah. So, you know, post-match entertainment, right? Obviously, you can't do, like, a small sort of pig on the middle of the um on the middle of the field that that's would be not, kind of funny <laughs> but it's not really going to be entertainment mind you i really don't think we should um vote brian taylor out onto the stage oh <laughs> ouch i don't even dislike brian taylor that much i was just like i, I don't moment, like roman bt but like <laughs> i was just trying to think of a name and that was the first one that came to my head bt any- if you're listening which you're not no offense <laughs> No grudge. Anyways, I was thinking you could do, like, rhinoceroses, but since they're already extinct, why don't we just do, like, post-match entertainment Jurassic Park in the middle of the field? <laughs> just show Jurassic Park? No, 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 no. Like, get the actual animals on oh, there. Oh, okay, like, right. This, this is post-match entertainment that's executed poorly. So it's like, oh. the idea is like, oh, my God, let's put, like, awesome animals right, on there. Yep. But they're not really thinking, oh. We don't have access to them. <laughs> on... All that people are going to die if you just get a dinosaur on there. I was thinking if you get the Tyrannosaurus Rex and you say, hey, guys, look, we've got a Tyrannosaurus Rex for our post-match entertainment. And then you realise about three quarters of the way through the planning stage, they don't actually (laughs) exist anymore. Yeah. So the the reality is on the ground, there's just an empty pen. Where it's like, you know, when when you're at the zoo and it says this enclosure is closed for cleaning? Yeah. Like, you just have one of those signs stuck up. Yeah, but that's not post-match entertainment that's executed poorly. That's just not executed. the idea of executed poorly is you do actually get the Tyrannosaurus Rex True. there, but you don't think, oh, it's just going to eat everyone in the crowd. True. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm willing to have that debate. Can I throw in one of my own? Yeah. Um, so if it's a Fremantle Essendon game, right? Yeah. I think it's always good if you have the sides that are um, involved, getting getting involved and showing off that. So, I mean, the Essendon Bombers, right? Like, what, what would be better? I, I'm sure you have this on your list, but what would be better than a bomber flying overhead and then unfortunately dropping several bombs onto the stadium <laughs> blowing up the stadium yeah and everyone I, died in it but you even like you go further you have like some dockers on the field that you just get like a boat on the field and you have some people that are like fixing it and, and then, then they just get bombed <laughs> well see you mentioned that but what, what would it be better than if they they got the the boat onto the field and then were unable to fix it because they're not very good dockers. And they were unable to play the, like, play the match, any games there for the rest of the season because they just had a boat on the field. No. They were you, just unable to move the you boat. You play around the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, but, you know, it's like an old um, pirate ship and yeah, it's yeah. got, like, the nest at the top of it. Yeah. You just kick it up to someone in there and you just, like, <laughs> hold just on to it. <laughs> well, you just hold on to it there if you need to run and, the clock. Just move you the go boat. one goal up early in the first quarter and like, okay, parking the bus. <laughs> no, but it would turn into a really interesting affair because then all of the other position players would be scaling the boat to try and get to that person to try and tackle them. And then once they commit everyone to it, you just handball it forward and you score. <laughs> I think the um, I think it'd be a really uh, adva- advantageous situation for the Dockers, given that they have a lot more experience around boats. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we'll move to my second one. The National Spelling Bee has been a great show. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where is this going? <laughs> well, I was just thinking you just do like a spelling challenge at the end of it. Cause, but you get the <laughs> AFL players to do it, and therefore none of them can spell. Well, you, no, <laughs> yeah, they've had that many concussions. <laughs> I was just going that they were dumb, but sure, that's <laughs> okay. We'll go with that as well. No, you do like a spelling um of all like the players' names and see if people get it right. Oh, that'd be interesting. So like, it's not really that. It's like an okay idea spelling them, but then people having have to actually having to write on a piece of paper. Like you put a piece of paper under everyone's seat, but then they <laughs> spill beer on it. Let's be honest. <laughs> or you know, rain. Another one I had would be a meatloaf. <laughs> Surely it's just it's... lucky this hasn't happened, right? <laughs> I'd argue the best version of a poorly executed version of meatloaf is that they go to book meatloaf and like they get their websites mixed up and they accidentally book a plate of meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, the delivery van shows up. There's like, here's your meatloaf. He's like, what meatloaf? We were expecting the singer. No, no, no. You wanted a plate of meatloaf, right? Okay. I was more going on the fact that why not get some musical, you yeah, know, no, talent? No. See, that, that would be completely awful and just 
it's the worst version yeah the worst version of musical talent you could get but i'd argue would a plate of meatloaf just put on the stage be more entertaining than meatloaf yep yeah well it'd hurt less yeah it would be less painful to everyone's ears okay interesting another interesting one everyone loves playing would you rather sure yeah (laughs) so literally you just you put up like two players from the home team and just like which one would you rather <laughs> so, so one guy which one, which one would you rather go home with <laughs> no 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 oh like you could do it from that to which one would you rather have on your team so then you're literally discriminating against your home what team if, players what if what if like what if the drafting system was just like done like that like, instead of the clubs having, like, scouting systems, it was just, like, they put them up on an app and all the team's, all the team's fans can go on the app and select who they would rather pick for the draft, and that's how they get drafted. <laughs> oh, this has been interesting so far. Is, is that it? You got that's anything it. else? No, that's it. That was a very it was a very good segment. I very much enjoyed that. I think I'm going to struggle to beat that with my last bit of analysis. Well, let's hear it out. I hope I've lightened the mood enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have lightened the mood. My bit of analysis is pretty light anyway, so I think maybe in terms of transitions, it would have been better if we'd done it the other way around. But my bit of analysis is seven things why the Easter Monday AFL game was one of the best games of all time. So I'm going to give you seven different reasons. You ready? Number one. The attendance, there's 73,000 people at the stadium, so it was a pretty full stadium. Every time something happened, there was big vocal reactions from the crowd. Like, it was something that everyone could enjoy. It wasn't specifically, you go to a, you know, an, an Adelaide game against, like, Gold Coast at, at Adelaide Oval, and there's 49,000 Adelaide fans and genuinely 16 Gold Coast fans. Like, this was a reasonably even split, and yet a big crowd that everyone could enjoy. So, reason one, great attendance. Reason number two, Two quality sides. And this was not something that I expected going into this game. We knew Geelong are a great side. We knew that they're going to be up there come finals. They've got the Danger Woodlet. They're going to be a very strong side come finals. But I don't know about you. I did not think Hawthorne were going to be that good in general. Um, I liked their performance against Collingwood last week. I thought they were good. But this was another level that I found from Hawthorne. And I am genuinely wondering about whether or not I think they'll play finals now. Yeah, they played really well. Like, we always know that Alistair Clarkson coaches his sides really well. That's just, like, a given. But, like, you have a look at that list and then you compare it to some of the other lists in the AFL and you're like, this team shouldn't be going to finals. I think I said it in my preseason thing that Alistair Clarkson's going to coach this side too well. They need some draft picks over the next few years because they're still young enough that they could push in, like, two or three years, but they just need a few draft picks. That's not going to happen. Their list is in a very interesting place because it's genuinely all over the place in very much like a Richmond-type way yep. where there's a bit of everything. Uh, I think Richmond's quite young. They were one of the youngest sides in the AFL last year. Yeah. I don't know. I think you'd be surprised how much young players there is in Hawthorne's uh, lineup, with the exception of their forward line. Uh, reason number three, the rivalry. Whether it goes back to the grand finals in the 1980s and the famous 1989 grand final to the 2008 grand final, the Kennet curse and everything that's gone on through then, to the development of the Easter Monday clash and all of them that have been a great fun. I've been to a lot of them over the years. Um, I, I think it's a genuine rivalry that even if um, it's not one where everybody want to fight each other, like in Carlton Collingwood or instance, but it's one where the two sides get out there and you genuinely feel like they're giving more effort because it's them. Yeah, a lot of their matches are decided by less than a goal. Like, this was not unusual. It is unbelievable how many close games these sides have had over the last couple of years. Despite the, you know, Hawthorne hasn't been going as well the last two or three years and Geelong has been, they always put up good matches. And that's, like, really important for a rivalry. You look at, like, Carlton Collingwood are going to play this Friday. And it's like, going to be miserable. Yeah. It'll make the North Melbourne St. Kilda game look impressive. Yeah. There's a reason they call it traditional rivals and not modern day rivals. It's because it's out of date. Um, number four, and I'm sure this is one you'll enjoy, the young gun. I love it when we see young kids on the scene who straight away are just, that kid's good enough for AFL footy. Like, Tim Kelly, is. I watched him last week against Melbourne. I was like, great performance. That could be a fluke. Week two to go up against a decent midfield and just look rock solid. And I love it about this player is, is, you know, when you see guys like uh, Nikai Kukatu is a classic example for me, where straight away you see what made people like really interested in them, but they're nowhere near AFL ready. So Nikai Kukatu has become a lot better over the years, but you could tell from the start he was flashy and he's slowly developing the substance. I love players where you just insert them and Tim Kelly could play. He'd be in the starting midfield of any side in the competition now. 
Like, within two games, I've worked that out. And and I love a player that doesn't take long to prove that. We've seen many over the years. You know, the classic Michael Barlow. I loved it when he came in. James Podley Adsley. And it's quite often these mature-age players. Sometimes it's the younger ones. Jacob Wiedering was really good at that as well. Um, but I, I absolutely adore it. Tim Kelly had 27 disposals and kicked a goal on the weekend. And in one of the best midfield battles of all time, which we'll get to later, was really, really impressive. And one of the better players out there on the ground. So credit to him. I love a young gun. I know you liked him. I'll get to the big three, and then you can talk about it. So this will go down in footy folklore because it's one of the best midfields of all time. But the first game for me personally to see the big three out there on the stage, Dangerfield, Ablett, Selwood, I mean, it was crazy. Within the first five minutes, they had four clearances. The first clearance was all three of them involved in the process. It's strange. Like, I've, I've never personally... I mean, I was alive during the West Coast era, but I wasn't really old enough to comprehend what it's what it was like. This is the first time I've truly seen a midfield that made me go, whoa, like, something's going on here that is not really come around very often. They were fantastic. They had 95 disposals between them and kicked four goals. Pick and choose which one you thought was the best. They each had moments where they where they starred and gave equal contributions throughout the game. What did you think of their performance? Because it is something that has been a bit more questioned throughout the week. Yeah, it's interesting because like, they were very good. And we actually said at the start of the game that we expected them to kick a lot of Geelong's goals, which I actually think is a problem because the fact of the matter is they're all pushing up to get goals essentially they're all very aggressive midfielders and it, it's interesting because like when you associate a midfielder with one that can go forward and score goals normally it's a good thing but you can't have it from all three of the midfielders because essentially what happens is Hawthorne was able to counter-attack so easily and I just think that was largely in due to the fact that there was little midfield presence defensively I I think they are missing Scott Selwood um I just don't I don't know if the three of them work together. Offensively, if you need a goal, chuck the three of them in. But, like, I don't know. It was interesting because, don't get me wrong, like, when they were in the middle at the start of the game, it was amazing. Just like, oh. And I'm sure the Hawthorne fans were like, uh-oh, sort of thing. And then they, they got off to an incredibly quick start and Mitchell took his time to assert himself on the game. But I don't know. I think they have to work a bit hard. They need to figure it out. I think it can obviously work. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously their first game together, and there was a lot of good things to see, and it's hard to be critical of three of the best players in the last 10 years. A couple of which will probably be regarded as some of the best players of all time. Exactly. So it's hard to be critical of them. They'll figure it out. But you have a look like, I'll use Richmond for an example, Dusty scores a lot of goals, but you see whereas like Dion Prestia and um, Trent Cotchin don't score as many because they, they just don't push as high because um, Dusty Martin is allowed to push forward. They allow him to, and then they substitute and move more defensive than him. And it, it's, like, communicated that Dusty's going to kick the goals sort of thing, and they just don't have that sort of communication at the moment. But, like, it, it will work. They have more options, less communication. be very interested to see what happens when not only Scott Selwood but Mitch Duncan comes back into that, and they have... Six genuinely good midfielders to, uh, to choose from. How often do you see that? Yep. So they will have a lot to choose from options. I personally expect we'll see a lot of Dangerfield forward. I think we'll see a lot of Mitch Duncan roaming the half-bank flank. That too. Um, number six, and this is one I will get to later, but when you have a game where we've, we've literally said three of the best med- midfielders of the modern generation, some of them will go down as some of the best players of all time, to have the challenger in Tom Mitchell stand up and go, nah, let me show you how it's done. We'll get to that a bit more later, but that in itself was incredibly impressive. We love you, Tom Mitchell. <laughs> we'll get to that. Finally, point number seven, and this is the biggest one of them all. It's just the game. The, the finish to the game itself was fantastic. It was to have a game in which Hawthorne was in, in control, relative control, never completely kicking Geelong out of it, but always seeming like the better side for most of the game. And then for the final quarter, Geelong storm home with a vengeance and make you think that they're going to take this away from Hawthorne, only for it to come down to the final minute in which Jared Rafford kicks a behind to win the game. Not even a goal. I always love it when it's a behind to win the game because it's like not even good. It's like, oh, that wasn't very good. And yet we're still going to win. I love it. It was a fantastic match. It was one of the best games I've ever seen live, if not one of the best games I've ever seen. And those are seven reasons why I think that. Fair enough. It's definitely the best game in terms of the game that I've ever been to live. Like, that's just not not up for debate. Um, I argue, like, I'm even just going recent memory. That West Coast Port Adelaide uh, final last year was bananas. 
That is the best game I've ever watched. I didn't have the pleasure of watching that live, but um, from what I've heard, it was a crazy, that, crazy, crazy, crazy match. There was a bit more back and forth in that game. Like There were times when I thought Port was going to win it. Like They just blew you away in the first couple of uh, quarters, and then there were times when I thought West Coast would win it, and then it obviously went to overtime, and then there was a goal after the siren to win it. Like I don't think you can really beat that. Um, in terms of a game and it was a final. But don't get me wrong, I'm not going to take anything away from this game. That's in the top five. Yep. Like, truly, that was just amazing to watch. I'm so glad we went. A truly fantastic match and a complete pleasure. It's time for our surprises. We've gone through our first four. Now we've got something that the either one isn't ready for. So this week I'm doing something that's neither funny nor really statistical. So yes, I'm probably like shooting myself in the foot and, like, giving up this point, but... So, I, I'm just excited for the fact that you're definitely going to bore our audience and be in no way no, entertaining. No, but this is a sort of thing that, like, I didn't actually hear about, and it kind of stunned me, and I feel like people should know this, because everyone's being, har- been like, harping on about how stupid it is, including myself, and now I look stupid. So did you know that in China at the moment there is a channel that plays an AFL match a week? No, I did not. Is, is that... It's a free-to-air channel as well. It's not like a pay TV one. How many free-to-air channels are there in China? I don't know. I expect there's probably a lot. I mean... I, I suspect most of them just continuously show photos of Xi Jinping, but besides that... <laughs> Anyways, aside... Hey, from... China joke. <laughs> Anyways, aside from that, like, there is actually a TV deal for one a week, and then they'll do the finals and a grand final on one of the stations. I feel like they announced this a while ago when they, no. when they made the deal with China. I had never heard about it. I feel like this may have been one of the things that slipped through the cracks for you, but I vaguely it remember hearing about this. It came up in an article three days ago. So do you think it's... Is it a new deal? Or is it something that's no, been No, I, I think it's reiterating something that might have been done before. But then also for the game this year, so uh, the other Gold Coast uh, Port Adelaide game that's there, there are three TV deals for it. So there's three cities that will have free-to-air television showing the game. Hmm, that's cool. Any of the big cities? Uh, is Shanghai a big city? <laughs> you know, it's a solid medium. <laughs> Shanghai, uh, I'm going to struggle to pronounce this one. Guangzhou. 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 I'm and, pretty sure it's Guangzhou. And Shandong. Because, you know, I know all about Chinese pronunciation, guys. The three of them together have, like, a population of 130 million. <laughs> <laughs> so just for comparison, the population of Australia is, what, 23 million? 24? 25. 25. But, like, that's three free-to-air televisions that are going to be showing the one game that's there and then the one, uh, the Guangzhou, is going to be showing one game a week the entire year. Mostly Port Adelaide games, but, like, Port's not a bad... I can't believe I'm about to say this. Port is a pretty good endorsement for the AFL at the moment. Aside from their fans, like, they're a pretty good endorsement for the thing at the moment. But do you know what else? They're going to have a weekly highlights video thing. (laughs) So I'm thinking, Alex, is this, is if this we like the work AFL on 10? I don't know. But if we work on like our Mandarin, <laughs> there are there there are job opportunities overseas, Alex. We have no hope here, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if we had Mandarin, like if we just learnt it in say a week or two. Yeah, which is very doable. Yeah, very doable. It's totally not like a new alphabet or anything. No. Um if we did that, like I'm, I'm think- sure there's big money in a highlights video. <laughs> I think you've set us a very reasonable and unambitious task that we can achieve in the near future. Okay, what's easier, breaking into the AFL industry the way we are at the moment or going overseas, having learned Mandarin and breaking in over there? You say breaking in like there is one. We'd be starting it. (laughs) (laughs) We we would be beginning the AFL industry overseas. We would be the face of football over there. (laughs) I mean, true, but I mean... The, the face of, I mean, you could be the face of football in Kenya if you want. It doesn't change the fact that two people are the only two people watching you. Fair enough. No, but like, isn't that interesting that, because last year, for a comparison, they actually only struck up the TV deal days before the actual thing happened. And I believe it was only on one TV channel, whereas it's on three for the single game and then one every round. Like, Channel 7 does four or five. Channel 7 only does four this season, which I've been very disappointed about. I usually enjoy my fifth. Yeah. So I've been <laughs> not happy with Channel 7. But yeah, no, I, I, it's interesting. I agree. Yeah, I, it's just something I didn't hear about and I feel like I should pass it, pass it on and also like... To our I, large audience that will but, now be educated. But now also like give us some hope for a future in the AFL industry that we don't really have. And that's where we end that sentence. Are you ready for my <laughs> surprise? 
So usually in this segment, we either come up with a bit of analysis or a joke. I am going with neither, and I am... <laughs> so I am you are going... going to bore our audiences. Yep. Surely you saw this coming before you, like... Yep. <laughs> I am going with an argument instead, and this is my argument. Are you ready? Tom Mitchell is the best midfielder in the world. Said it. Done. <laughs> I 100% believe this is true. This is a man who last season was in the All-Australian side, averaged 36 disposals a game, 15 contested possessions, averaged 300 metres gained, and six clearances every single match he averaged that over the course of the season. That is ridiculous. Not only that, to begin this season, he has averaged 47 disposals a game. 47 disposals have been his average. two games through. (laughs) To be clear, right? When I talked about the fact that earlier... Ablett, Dangerfield, and Selwood between them had 95 disposals on the weekend. Over the two games throughout this season, Tom Mitchell's had 94. He's had 94 disposals in two weeks. That is crazy. Anyway, Tom Mitchell's had averages 47 disposals a game this season. In saying that, he also averages 25 contested possessions, 683 metres gained, which is the second highest in the league behind Cade Simpson. By the way, all of these other stats, he's first in the league. 11 clearances... And a goal again, because, you know... He's not first he's not, in the not, goal again. He's not, <laughs> admittedly, he's not first in the goals, but he is first in disposals, contested possessions, clearances, which are the most important stats for a midfielder, just saying. And then on top of that, he is second in metres gained by his 683 metres. Cade Simpson averages 684 metres. So just saying, putting it out there, Tom Mitchell, the best midfielder in the world. He's not the best player, and that's the clarification I want to make, because that's going to be your counter-argument, which I want to hear. Um, Dangerfield and Dustin Martin, who are the obvious candidates, are both better players because they offer more in a forward line than Tom Mitchell does. But Tom Mitchell, if you were to play him an entire game in midfield versus Dangerfield and Martin, is a better midfielder than both of them. Oh, okay. With that clarification, because I was going to say, like, obviously I wasn't going to use Martin as a forward because obviously that's not a midfielder. But, like, when you see Martin, like, Martin can break a game open and he doesn't have to be scoring the goals to actually do that. We saw it in the final series last year, the amount of times he got out on the wing. So he didn't necessarily play in the stoppage. He played one kick in front of it. So he was like halfway in between. Yeah, he plays half forward a lot of the time. Not quite a half forward, but pretty close to it. And he could break a game open. Dangerfield doesn't do it as much from half forward. He does it from the full forward. Yeah. So that like eliminated him for me. But like Martin does it a lot from like the half forward flank and he can break a game open. And that's something that Tom Mitchell can do like he did it last weekend because he kicked a couple of goals with it but he doesn't normally kick goals those both of those goals were as a result from stoppages in and around the 50 yeah he doesn't normally that's not a reliable source of scoring goals he doesn't do it often but that's my point is that when Martin kicks goals it's from Richmond counterattacks and he ends up 100 metres down the field in a position a midfielder shouldn't be and don't get me wrong Dustin Martin fantastic player Right? I absolutely love him. In my opinion, he's the second best, if not the best player in the competition. Right? The point I'm trying to make is that if you only allowed the player to play in clearances, like as in in and around the centre as a midfielder and on the bench for rests, Tom Mitchell would be the best player in the competition. So therefore, he is the best midfielder in the competition. The other two are better players because they offer more as forwards. And you can even argue that Alex Rance is the best player in the competition, to be honest. But Tom Mitchell is the best midfielder in the competition. I wish I had pre-warning of this because... Yeah, that... I definitely didn't tell you this on Monday. Yeah. Look, it's Thursday, Alex. That was, that's old news. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll go with that. I'd say that Dustin Martin is very close. Uh, I think he's better around the ball than um, Danger. And Dusty... The big difference is you don't see um, Mitchell run out of the packs. He's very reliant on having someone to distribute it to, if you get me, whereas yep. Dusty doesn't need that as much. A lot of the time he runs out of stoppages and he's... Well, unlike Danger, he can actually kick the ball pretty well. So I argue that a lot of the time his work around the stoppage is more influential or more impactful, but Tom Mitchell does it more consistently across the whole game. So, I mean, you can argue either way, I think. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case for both. But that is my surprise. So it's time for us to wrap up our penalty shootout for the day. The first thing we did was the jokes I did. They're not actually a celebrity heads, and you did, I believe, Who Am I on St Kilda? Am I wrong? Yeah, and I basically just was confused at how terrible St Kilda is. I quite liked that, actually, so I'm I'm willing to give you the point on that. And yep. My they're not actually a celebrity heads was interesting, but not very effective. No, no. We'll, uh, we'll keep it at that. The next thing I had was the analysis on key forwards. Yeah, and I did Hinkley. 
Yeah, I I rate my analysis on yeah, Q4s. Yeah, I'd give that. Yep, so I think Hinkley was more of a gag than anything. Yes. I just needed a rent. I needed to put the <laughs> AFL on watch. <laughs> yeah, we'll let Tissot know. Um, the next thing that I did was, I'm very confident in this one, so I hope your analysis and Carlton stacks up, because my jokes of things that hurt less than those injuries was very impressive. See, I think my Carlton one, I, it's just obvious I put so much effort into it. Yeah, except for the obvious Sam Doherty hole. I can't believe that. I don't know if that's my fault or if that's a website. So I'm, I'm just pointing out that your research contained a hole, and mine contained several good jokes, including the rerun of the 2010 grand final, which you laughed very hard at. Yes, that was very funny. But then it also included an emotional plea to, to who and will if, not be named. And if, and if the, she who shall not be named is out there, please give me a call. I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> no, just for that, you deserve to lose. <laughs> just for that, you deserve to lose. Karen! <laughs> Karen! I think I should win, to be honest. I put no. up... I, I bared my soul. You just ranted about Carlton. That's easy. Oh, fine. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you. Final one. If mine didn't have the hole, I'm claiming it. Yeah, though. I probably would have given it to you. Uh, final one. My analysis for Easter Monday versus your last joke, which was? The list of the uh, light show. Oh, yeah. I, I really liked that, especially because I got to contribute and that was fun. So I'm happy to give you. Yeah. I, I actually think that was the probably one of the best analysis of the day, but it just got put up against probably the best joke of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so un- unlucky on me, but well done to you. So that makes us two all going into the surprise. What's better? My argument that Tom Mitchell is the best midfielder in the competition, or I don't even remember what you did. Oh, it was yours. Your, yours was the weird port deal, wasn't it? <laughs> Mine was the deal. best. <laughs> Look, <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not even having a conversation about this. Mine was the best. And Alex has <laughs> nearly fallen off his chair. Yeah, no, we're, we're done. I'm happy to wrap that up. I mean, you can try and protest if you want, but we're agreed. We're done. Yeah. Yep. Three, two. So you've lost two weeks in a row, but a more a better performance this week. And I essentially sacrificed the last <laughs> point. Yeah, you did. If, if you'd put more effort into the last point, you, you definitely could have got up this week. So you're now losing both the tipping considerably and the penalty shootout considerably. So there's work to be done. There's a lot of work to be work done. Work to be done. Speaking of which... Carlton Collingwood on Friday night. Lachlan Ross, who are you tipping? Can we just like get this one over quickly? I'm just going to go Collingwood by 23. Collingwood by 33. Port Adelaide v Brisbane. Jeez, you thought let's that one, this, <laughs> thought that one, one you wanted to get over quickly. Okay, no, better question. When will this game like be over? Okay, so I think here's, an, okay, here's the question. At what point will the margin exceed 50 points? <laughs> Halfway through the second quarter. I'm going to go five minutes into the second quarter. Five, <laughs> five no. minutes into the second quarter. I reckon they'll belt the shit out of them in the first. <laughs> <laughs> is Jack Watts going to kick five goals? Sadly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly everybody will think he's a good player, but he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. He went missing on the weekend against Sydney. Uh, Port Adelaide by... They'll slow up. 87. I'm not even worried about the margin. I'm just saying they'll hit 50 <laughs> five minutes into the second quarter. Melbourne v North Melbourne. Tell you what, if Melbourne lose again, yep. that would be interesting. What would be the 17th or 18th loss in a row? To North Melbourne. Oh, yeah, they have that big streak, don't they? Yep. I'd forgotten about that. Um, I don't think they'll be losing. I don't know about you. No, neither. <laughs> Melbourne by 24. Glad we had that discussion then. <laughs> Melbourne by 45. Uh, Gold Coast v Fremantle in... God, Jesus, I just... Now, Gold I'm Coast so disappointed the... in how good these sides are. I thought they were going to be shit, and both of them have just been so decent, and I'm just so disappointed. Go back to being awful. Is this, like, exaggerated by the fact that you're a St Kilda fan? And you're meant to be okay, and these guys aren't. These sides are both better than us right now, and that is so disappointing. (laughs) Now, this game's at uh, Metricon, right? Because Gold Coast is obviously the home team. Yes. It's definitely not at Optus Stadium, which would be Fremantle's home ground, right? Yeah, totally not. Yeah, glad we established that. Who are you tipping? Uh, Because it's at Optus Frio. Yeah, I'm... By 21. uh, Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Why do we tip margins out of interest? I don't know. Fremantle by... 13. I think it'll be a close one. Uh, Sydney v GWS, you know, the, the Greater Western Derby. How are you feeling about it's it? The bridge. I, I, just, I just made up that name for it for myself on the spot because I don't actually have any idea what it was called. <laughs> Battle of the Bridge? That sounds about Battle right. Battle of the Bridge. Battle yeah. of the Bridge, yeah. Who are you tipping? I'm going GWS. That's good because I'm going Sydney. Ooh. First point of conflict. Uh, I, I rate this one. I think this will be the, the putting a stamp. Lose. They don't lose twice in a row often. Nope. However, when nope. they lose two in a row, they proceed to so, lose the next four. And then win the next 13. <laughs> so who knows where the season's going to go. I will say Sydney by... I reckon it'll be... These games are usually really good. I'll say Sydney by nine points. GWS by four. Very interesting. St Kilda v Adelaide. It's out of the... Oh, God. 
Now, can we talk about this one for a while? I just... What are we going to say now? Just in advance, 60, 70? Well, you guys are going to have more disposals. We figured that part yeah, out. Yeah, we did. Uh, I'll say 65. Oh, I'm a bit more optimistic, 34. Uh, that's way too optimistic for my liking. Richard v. Hawthorne, in a game at the start of the season, I did not think was going to be very good, but now I am very excited about. I'm going to this game and I'm nervous. I am properly, like, nervous. I have no idea what's going to happen. If a good Richmond side comes, we should win on paper. But, like, I don't know. That Hawthorne side on the weekend was really good. And I don't know if it was Geelong's lack of, like, defensive presence or if it was Hawthorne. I'm still going to tip Richmond by 12, though. Oh, you need a good upset. And this is my upset of the week. Um, Here's the thing, right? I think if the Hawthorne side that plays Geelong turns up, they'll win. If not, they'll lose. And I think they will. So I will say Hawthorne by 18 points. I... I've come complete full circle on Hawthorne, did not rate them at the start of the season, watched them live on Monday and thought, Jesus, that's a good side. So I'm I'm very impressed. Western Bulldogs, Essendon in a game that can only make the Western Bulldogs season worse. <laughs> Eddie had, that's not good news for them. Uh, nope. Essendon's just going to roll over them. It's going to be, be by, so fast. It's going to be by 47. I think that'll be generous. I think it'll be by, <laughs> let's say, 75 points in what'll probably be an absolute bloodbath. Uh, West Coast v Geelong over and up to stadium in our last game of the round. This is the toughest game of the round to pick by far. Yeah, this is interesting because I really, I really don't feel like I know where West Coast is at yet. Um, and I'm fairly confident that Geelong is a good side without being a great side. <laughs> yep. I'm going West Coast, though. I think their defence will win this game. Good. I'm Low- glad, glad you did that. That means I can safely tip Geelong. <laughs> uh, West Coast by 21. It's about time we see um, Danger Woodlip put on a, a genuine show. Like, they were, they were very good last week, but Tom Mitchell stood them up. So it's, they need to remind one of the less impressive midfields, Gaff, Chewy, etc., how it's done. Venables is going to show them up. <laughs> Yeah, that, that young West Coast forward line that's got genuine... <laughs> you suck. They've got like four first-year players in that forward line. You generally think they're going to beat Geelong. I don't know, dude. Liam Ryan was really he good was on the really weekend. Good. I really that, enjoyed it. that was nearly my uh, highlight of the week. It was very In what close. was a dull game, Liam Ryan <laughs> made me want to watch footy. That was an appalling game. <laughs> this <laughs> came after the North Melbourne St Kilda game as well. I, I was at a low. I didn't want to do this show on Saturday afternoon. Anyone that visited Eddie Had Stadium over the weekend, the AFL owes you a refund. <laughs> <laughs> they should be paying you to sit there to watch that. Um, with saying that, we will wrap up round two for the week. Uh, another very good show from you, Lachlan Ross, except for the fact that you're continuing to lose. Look, we put up a better effort this week. Yep. I'm going to do a Sydney. <laughs> yeah, on six. You said that last week, and um, it's just proving to be more and more correct as we go. Yep. Um, Maybe I'm doing it deliberately. Maybe <laughs> I'm like literally like if I come up with something good, I'm like, nah, I'll save that for round seven, round eight. Maybe. I, I really doubt it. But let's uh, <laughs> let's see let's see what you've got. You've you've built your expectations up on yourself, so you know I'm expecting something good. Um, thanks you to everyone for listening. We'll be back hopefully on radio next week. So um, or in two weeks. I don't know. Two weeks. Man, this show is really not serious until we get serious. So, hope you enjoyed the show. (laughs) My name's Alexandri. My name's Chuck. Goodbye.